You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Warrior Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. It's football time. The season did end, but hey, we got some good football talk to still have during this offseason. We've got some coaching hires uh, now that the staff has been completed, um, on the field staff and off the field staff, uh, and we've also got the SEC announced Auburn's football schedule for the 2021 season. So we got a lot to break down along with a few other things like Kevin Steele at the end. So always some crazy stuff always going on. Um, Jared, how you doing? I'm doing good. Hanging in there. Just, um, you know, keeping up with the hires and people leaving and all that. So there is, there's always something to talk about football related, you know, when it comes to the SEC. So uh, it's a never-ending, never-ending business, my friend, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is uh, uh, I mean, people know it's the money maker, but there's a, always a lot of turnover, um, especially right now. Coaching carousel is still going on, going strong, um, and Auburn got hit by it again because the NFL snatched Tracy Rocker, um, which I feel like was probably one of the, you know, we everybody was really excited about him. Felt like there was really the only drawback was his recruiting uh, you know, history hasn't been as good, but he's a good developer of talent. Um, like, I mean, goodness sakes, like we just had some studs come out of Auburn um, under Tracy Rocker and Auburn and, you know, previous schools have had some really good success with them. Um, and it's honestly really unfortunate that we don't have him. Um, and instead we ended up getting Nick Eason. Um, he's got some NFL experience uh, coaching defensive line. Um, and, and one of the things I thought was kind of telling that Harson and his statement about hiring Nick Eason, um, was that he has connection ability and that wording to me translates to relationships with players, relationships with the recruits. And that's always a good thing. Like, I feel like that's something that we, um, at Auburn really like is that family atmosphere connecting with people. What do you think of this uh, hire that, that we made um, right after Tracy Rockers uh, committed to coming to Auburn and then a couple weeks later went off and see the NFL again? Is connection ability a word, by the way? That's my first question. Um, we, we're making it one, so. <laughs> I like it. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know much about the guy. Uh, I, I think, you know, initially losing Rocker was, you know, we thought that was a big deal. Um and it may be, but I do think his question about not whether he can recruit, I think there was some questions like, did he want to be doing that? Um, so this guy apparently does have the ability to connect with people, and he's got the NFL experience. Um, and nobody's really 
touched on it, but I mean, Carl Lawson, I think, finished top five in sacks mm-hmm. or at least impact plays this year for the D line. I mean, this guy was coaching Carl Lawson. Now I know so did Ronnie Garner, but um, I saw an article from a Cincinnati page that said Eason was kind of the scapegoat for their bad season this year, but they said that two things. Number one, the defensive coordinator was having some issues with some players and basically some players didn't really want to play anymore. And number two, they had a third down package coordinator, which was their linebacker coach. So a lot of the things that may have happened wasn't a result of Eason Hmm. uh, on their D line. So anyways, just something to think about, but as far as coming to Auburn, it's all about recruiting and getting the guys in there and he can say, Hey, I've, I've got NFL experience. I know what it's going to take to get you there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing that I'm hoping will pan out uh, for him. I know we've got, I mean, there's, there's some big themes of this uh, coaching staff as a whole. Now that Brian Harson is officially, officially done with it. Um, and I, I think one of those is the recruiting aspect. Um, I've really loved how he's gotten the SEC landscape of guys and coaches that understand the SEC and what it takes for not only coaching in the SEC, but the recruiting aspect too. And then he's also combined the guys that Brian Harson just trusts and has worked with previously and jobs like at Boise state. And so there's a good, hopefully a good amount of trust that goes on um, behind the scenes and then on the field, because if the coaching staff trusts each other and trusts that they're doing the best that they can, that's going to show up in the players. Um, that's going to show up in the game plan for each game. Um, another kind of interesting thing that just overall uh, that I thought was a good thing is that Harson also has described a lot of these guys that he's hired as either, either really good developers of players or also really good at building relationships and building the recruiting relationships that are much needed. Um, I view that as a very good thing. Um, Do you see any deficiencies in this staff now that we've kind of put these, these pieces all together where you were like, yeah, this is, this has to be something that we have as coaches um, at Auburn. Do you see anything that we're missing um, now that we have this whole staff? Nothing glaring. I mean, I won't know a lot until they start landing recruits until they start coaching. Um, but, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's been some theory of, all right, he's he's done a good job of blending people that can recruit with people who can develop talent, and he doesn't need everybody to be a recruiter. So, I don't – I've heard that said many times. I don't know who they're thinking is the good recruiter and who isn't. But at the end of the day, I think that um, on the defensive side with bringing in Zach Etheridge, I think that he's going to probably be able to sell Auburn. Obviously, he went there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people like him. I don't know enough about his coaching to say I love him, but I don't dislike it. Um, Mason, I think, is a great hire. And I think he's going to really be able to go in there and say, hey, you know, I, I turn, you know, Richard Sherman's a pro bowler and I coached him. And yep. he had another say, a secondary a guy in the secondary that's still in the NFL, I think. So he's going to be able to, only two years at Stanford, to be able to say, look, this is what I'm going to do for you if you come play for me. On the offensive side, whether it works or not, I don't know, but we went and addressed a guy who can recruit pretty well offensive linemen. And yep. with Will Friend, yeah. Will Friend and, and you know, Bobo. Um, it still doesn't wow me with Bobo, but I don't want to go in there throwing it 50 times a game when we have, when our best player right now is Tank. And I mm-hmm. think Bobo will be able to mold a game plan around Tank. I think we'll get under center a lot more. 
I think that will open things up for Bo. The play action will be more effective. So I'm excited about the staff. Um, there's nobody that to, that just 100% wows me, but there's a couple of coaches that I'm really, really intrigued to see, you know, what they're able to do recruiting and coaching-wise. Yeah, the the one that stands out to me, and it stood out when we did our podcast on offensive and defensive coordinators, was Derek Mason. And I feel like that still stands out to me. The, the staff under him was Zach Etheridge, Nick Eason at defensive line, outside linebacker Burt Watts, and uh, out our inside linebacker Jeff uh, Schmetting seems like a good mix uh, of guys that have experience, recruiting ability, development ability, um, and, and that's to me part of what you do. You you get a good you know defensive coordinator, and then you get your guys that are good at specific things. Like Nick Eason is really good at def- uh, defensive line. Outside linebackers, we got Burt Watts. You got guys that have had really good experience coaching linebackers or coaching their position. And when you put that together, it's uh, that's when some good things can happen. The chemistry of the coaching staff uh, can really start to blend. The one that I'm hearing you really need to keep an eye on is uh, Cornelius Williams, the wide receiver coach. They say with his personality, they're like he he could be the uh, he could be the new tr- uh, T wheel as as hmm. the, the guy that all the players like and could be our home run uh, uh, ticket for landing a lot of recruits. Apparently, just his at, just his attitude and the way he connects with people is uh, – I have no idea. This is just people's opinions that I've been hearing that, that talk to other people within the program, and they are saying that uh, Cornelius Williams is a guy that could be kind of like a T-Will. Hmm. Um, and he's young. Not, he's, he's, he's young like young. T-Will. Yeah. Energetic. You can already tell he played football um he's been coaching at Troy for the last five years and done well at wide receivers coach there and and he's one of those good up-and-coming guys that I mean I hope we hold on to him for a little bit um though if he does really well at Auburn he may get a a a bigger job somewhere else um at a a, maybe a smaller school like a you know him being an assistant offensive coordinator or something crazy but he's got that potential um, if he does well at the next level of coaching um, in the SEC. Well, that's why you come to – like if you want to come from like a Troy or some something like that, you come to Auburn, make a name for yourself, then maybe you can go become an OC for a school. You know, uh, there, we're kind of that program that can get you there. There are a few that you might leave Auburn for to get – you know, you might leave for like a Texas or USC, but not many you would leave Auburn for. Mm-hmm. Auburn is kind of that place where you can – all right, let me go be just a wide receiver coach at Auburn prove myself there, start getting a name, and then I can go be an OC somewhere and then move up to the head coaching rank. So, yeah, I absolutely think we're a good place for him to do that if he comes in here and does really well. Um, let me ask you about Cadillac because, you mm-hmm. know, we the only coach we kept from the old staff was Cadillac. Yeah. And there were rumors uh, who people claim were at least legit conversations being had that, that Tank – Really liked Cadillac and strongly, strongly, strongly encouraged uh, uh, the coaching staff to keep him. Hmm. How much of an impact? First off, do you think that's true? And if so, how much of an impact did that have? Because keep in mind, he's the only one we kept. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And I'm thinking back to when Tank officially committed to Auburn. I know that was right at the beginning of Cadillac Williams when he got hired on, but he made the you know the final push to get Tank. Bigsby on on campus and obviously playing under Cadillac for the last year and seeing how much better Tank is um you know throughout the season 
I'm sure that has a lot to do with Cadillac Williams and how well Tank and Cadillac kind of mesh together. So I, I think there may be some truth to it. I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure, but that's one of those weird things where, like, if it's true that, you know, if Cadillac doesn't come back potentially, that Tank also goes, then shoot, we're down to Shivers. We're legitimately one scholarship running back away from not having any scholarship running backs. And that's just not not acceptable. Not acceptable in any SEC school. I mean, two is already really depleted. So maybe it's kind of like a you know safety blanket. But I also think Brian Harson isn't one to just play pity games. Like he's not going to say, "Oh, Cadillac, we really like you. I think you'll be good here." No, he yeah, I think he truly believes that Cadillac can be a good running back coach and coach guys like Tank Bigsby and Shivers and whoever else we have in the running back room for this next year. So I, I think he's a good fit. I mean, I haven't heard anything else um, for what Brian Harson and Mike Bobo decided to do on offense. Um, do you have any thoughts on that other than what you've already said? I mean, we're speculating here. I, I think that I think you got to be careful not to let players dictate who you keep. But I do think at the same time, you made a great point. You know, we had players – we had two people, two players transfer, and and Mar and uh, DJ, mm-hmm. and literally, if if there was any chance the tank would consider a transfer without Cadillac, you you have to look at that. I mean, because you can't lose that guy. I mean, Tank may be a guy, regardless. If we had five guys in the room at running back, Tank's a guy you can't lose. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I don't want my players dictating stuff, and I'm not taking anything away from Cadillac. I think Cadillac is a great coach. I think the fear with Cadillac was. They they like coaches to be able to do this and something else. And right now, Cadillac's so fresh that he's still learning how to do that. So it'd yeah. be hard to take on another role like special teams or something. So I think that's the biggest thing with him. But Cadillac has a great connection with Atlanta and the talent there. You can't knock. There's not a thing our running backs did last year that was the reason we lost, in my opinion. So and Tank, for a true freshman, got better as the year went on, and you know until his injury. So Mm-hmm. I think you could see a lot of reasons to keep Cadillac just as a coach, whether whether Tank wanted that to be done or not. Yeah, I think so. And I, I really don't think Brian Harson kept him after having a conversation with Tank. I, I don't think that happened, but there may have been an inclination that Tank was like, if Cadillac leaves, I may or may not uh, may or may not come back. And like that, that's a scary thing for a head coach to think. Well, and look at it like this, too. I mean, at the end of the day, you're splitting hairs. If he's looking at two different guys and he's like, this guy's got to be way better than Cadillac mm-hmm. because there is that connection with my my best player. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't that he did it because Tank said it. But he's like, hey, he does have a good connection. And this other guy's not way better than Caddy, so I'm I'm keeping Caddy. You know? That's very, this is very possible. And, I mean, there's uh, I'm sure there's some conversations that Brian Harson and Mike Bobo have had about Cadillac will this fit in what their offense is going to look like for the 2021 season and going forward. And they, they must've thought Cadillac is a good fit for that. So I think there's more to it than just tank. Um, but that may have been a minor reason why they decided to keep them. Um, let's talk about this. Uh, let's transition a little bit and talk about the football season and the schedule for the 2021 Auburn football. Um, this is uh, a very interesting thing because we we thought, okay, we're going to have a couple non-conference games at the beginning, you know, and then a few non-conference throughout, kind of like we've had before. 
And now we have four non-conference at the beginning of the, the year and then lead into eight conference games all in a row. Um, and then on top of that, you got Georgia still kind of early in the year, along with playing LSU in Baton Rouge. And you can that's going to be a, our, probably our first really big uh, challenge right after playing Penn State is seeing how well a Brian Harson team does when they have to go to Baton Rouge and then literally the next week you're playing Georgia um, at home with their high level of talent that, that they get in Athens. Um, any other thing, anything that kind of stands out to you, Jared, about this schedule um, that, that you want to talk about? Because there's, there's some kind of interesting matchups that I think we could definitely dig into once they, they come, but kind of keeping it high level. Any other uh, observations about the season? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I think the George LSU back to backs tough, but really if you play in the West, I mean, yeah, I mean, what do you do? I mean, okay. You move, all right, you move the LSU game later and then you wind up with LSU A&M, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or uh, Georgia, Alabama, like we had at the end of the year. So there is no easy way to do this. I do like the fact that it's home and away. So we got LSU away and then we get to come back for Georgia at home. Yeah, no doubt. So the home and away helps there. I mean, it really does help a lot because if their fans back in the stands, that's that's big. Um, I do like the fact that it is interesting we're playing all non-conference before we start schedule, and I I, I think that's good because you just for fan interaction, you don't you don't have that late season nobody game where you're really mm-hmm. just hoping nobody gets hurt, honestly. Um, so yeah, that's my overall. Um, I do like the two non-conference before going to Happy Valley um, to play Penn State. Mm-hmm. yeah but um and, and and i think both of those are kind of like you ease into the season a little bit um you should beat them akron and alabama state and then you go into penn state who they started out zero and five this last season but then won their last four games of their season and they're an up-and-coming team that's sounds like they're putting some stuff together um and does that mean that it carries over? I mean, I'm sure there's some that will um, into this next season, but there's. Uh, I'm hoping it's a good matchup because I enjoy non-conference good matchups. But I hope we win that one. <laughs> I really do. Do Do you I think, think there's do. a? I think we we'll win it. I do because I, I. If we were playing them sooner, I would be a little worried. The thing we got to remember is, and I know we lost a, we lost some people, no doubt, and we lost receiver. Receiver is going to be key. But uh, the entire offensive line is coming back, and they weren't bad run blocking. And the scheme we're going to come up with pass, you know, pass protection, and also with the the under center play action stuff is going to buy more time. I think that this year we're not going to be as bad as people expect us to be because you got to keep in mind too the the top tackle in the SEC decided to come back. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be a junior? Uh, we got uh, some secondary guys. I mean, uh, Zacoby McClain coming back. I mean, and smoke, smoke's coming smoke. back. I, I mean, listen, depth is going to be a problem because we didn't have a great recruiting class, and we may have a worse year next year than this year because of you know if you if we don't get into the twenty range with recruits, that's going to trickle down. We need to get there, but mm-hmm. this year, honestly, and if we can throw in a grad transfer offensive tackle or line, I mean, our line got better last year. They just got hurt in the last few games, and we don't have enough depth there. So. I think we go beat Penn State, if I'm being honest with you. Now, I'm not knocking them, and it's not a gimme, but you give us two tune-up games, and we have potentially the best running back. I mean, we have potentially the best running back in the country. Yeah, if I, he's I, a healthy guy, I'd put him up against 
pretty much any running back in the college football world right now. That's for sure. So uh, I, I I think it's a very win- I will say it's a winnable game. Yeah. Um. I want to pose this question to you. So you and I living in Georgia, we we would much rather. I feel like most years Georgia. want to beat Georgia. I know where you're going. <laughs> okay. So would you rather, since we're playing LSU at LSU and in Baton Rouge, we haven't won there in like 20 something years or whatever now. Um, do you, would you prefer us to win in Baton Rouge and finally break that streak or beat Georgia this year? Beat Georgia. Really? I, I mean, to me, yeah. I mean, I, you, you can pose any question you want. If it's Georgia or Alabama, it's always, unless they're playing each other. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, look, I want to win at LSU, no doubt, but uh, winning at LSU does not, have as big of an impact on us in recruiting as starting to beat Georgia does mm, because we're getting Kirby's, you know, he, he's just eating our lunch, man. And and we got to be able to say, all right, look, we're, you know, get, let's, let's reverse that trend. We're beating Georgia. Now we're going after the same kids and you and I live in Georgia. So yeah. well, <laughs> I don't and, deal with LSU fans. And you said he's eating our lunch and he's probably also handing it out everywhere. If you know well, what I mean. That that's a uh, uh, yeah that that's a different debate. <laughs> if you get my reference there of the Mickey D's of the world, yeah, yeah. yeah, Dan Patrick made some strong accusations about Tennessee, and then he threw them in there. So I don't I don't know if anything will ever come of that. But uh, for what we know right now, it would be fantastic to be able to counter with, hey, look, you know, we're we're on the same playing field with them, and we can't say that right now. I'd love to beat LSU at LSU. Don't do not get me wrong. Mm-hmm. If you give me the two choices. I'm taking Georgia every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, I feel like I, I do want to beat them down in Baton Rouge, but I do want to beat Georgia that much more. And you made a good point. I think it has to do with recruiting because if you can beat Georgia and Auburn hasn't beaten Georgia consistently um, in, in a little bit, when you do that, the recruits are going to look more at Auburn. And maybe that's a Brian Harson. I really hope that's some uh, we're able to win one of those games, honestly, either LSU or Georgia. And I'd take either. If we win one of those, I think that's a big statement for Brian Harson to this Auburn fan base to win them over a little bit more. Um, and that's that would be an incredible thing to do in his first season. Hey, Auburn family, we're going to take a quick breather from this episode to bring you an important message. One of the most well-known things about Auburn fans is how loyal they are, and we show that loyalty by the colors that we wear. Let us help you stock up on those colors by going over to our tpublic.com store. There you'll find a variety of merchandise geared towards designs based on E2C Network and Auburn content. While TeePublic is known for their t-shirts, they have a wide selection of merchandise options for you to select one of these designs to be put on. They also have other types of apparel, stickers, mugs, and much more. Here's the beauty of it. Your purchase will help support this network and the content that we regularly produce. The purchase will also go to support independent artists who put a lot of hard work into designing these concepts, especially for you, the Auburn family. And did I mention that they regularly have sales t-shirts for $13? You have to be kidding me. If you're ready to explore your purchase options, head on over to tpublic.com slash store slash E2C network. You can also get there by going to our website at e2cnetwork.com slash support. Now that you've got some options to suit up for game day, let's head back into this episode. Our next game is against uh, Arkansas. It's at Arkansas. I feel like there might be a little bit of revenge that Arkansas wants, especially with the 
the way this last year played out for Arkansas. And uh, I think we talked about it on our uh, review, but I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it, the ball fell Auburn's way, but yet still Auburn, I guess, won that one just barely. I mean, we still had to make a really long field goal and Hey, thanks Anders for making that. <laughs> yeah. No, no kidding. Um, we actually get a bye week after that. Um, I guess if we still have some COVID issues, I guess that could also be a week that we um, may have a makeup game for that um, to be played during that week. Um, but as of now, we got a bye week. Uh, then we go into uh, the last half of our year um, and season playing Ole Miss. Um, and then we go to Texas A&M. And uh, thank goodness, Calamond, he's gone after his ninth season at Texas A&M. So, you know, I'm always happy about that. He's drawing retirement now. <laughs> he's getting there. He's he's edging up in his years. He's probably like 28 years old now, <laughs> I'd guess. Just kidding. Um, but also, Texas A&M pretty much lost most, if not all, of their offensive linemen um, that have experience. So they're going to have a little rebuilding to do for sure um, in this next year. Um, any other thoughts about those games, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Texas A&M? No, not really. I think people are going to want to be a little scared about Ole Miss, but rightfully so. I mean, uh, you know, they got they got it going down there offensively, but it's going to be in Auburn. And I, I think you could make the argument we will be better defensively this year. We don't know what Mason's going to do, but the D-line's a little older now. Kept everybody at linebacker, kept our key players in the secondary. Um, you could make the argument we're going to be better and we really slowed them down a pretty good bit at their place last year. So mm-hmm. um, they don't scare me. I, I I shouldn't say they don't scare me, but I, I don't think we lose that game. Texas A&M, they don't scare me. I feel like maybe they should. But, I mean, this year even going into the fourth quarter, we were winning. And the reason they beat people is they wore you down with their offensive line. Yep. And I think you're right. A good part of them are going to be gone. Now, they're recruiting like crazy, and so that's dangerous, but – their O-line is the reason they beat people this year. And if that's gone and their veteran quarterback's gone, which he could come back, believe it or not, AJ. I mean, he could, <laughs> I the season not. doesn't count, really. Um, maybe he comes back. I don't know. But anyways, I, I they don't scare me. I'm not I'm not saying we win. But, yeah, that's kind of my thought on those. Yeah. I, I, I am a little fearful of Texas A&M just because they are Texas A&M. But, hey, we've had some good fortune at College Station. Um, previously so uh, that that's kind of that one of those still weird stats i think we've won more away games at, uh, in this texas a&m auburn rivalry than we've had at home or something weird like that they haven't won at home i don't think i think we were the first to break that trend two years ago yeah um so yeah uh let's talk about the last three games uh we got mississippi state um and then we got at south carolina and then we finished out with bama i feel like the last part of this season uh, even though we didn't have a non-conference game right before uh, going into the Bama game, is pretty close. I mean, I hate to say it, but like pretty close to having a non-conference with both Mississippi State and South Carolina. Um, I mean, does Mississippi State scare you at all? I know they do have an air raid offense. Now they'll have an offseason to implement that. But does that scare you? I mean, I haven't seen anything for me personally that I'm no. I'm so fearful of that. I- yeah, I like Leach, and I, I mean, I hope he succeeds, but I think Mississippi State's problem is you can't be a one-trick pony and win in the SEC mm-hmm. um, and and not up against good teams. So Mississippi State, I think when he gets it rolling, they could be seven, eight-win team. 
you know, they could beat up on everybody essentially, but LSU, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, and uh, Alabama. Um, but yeah, I just don't think a one trick pony, you know, throwing the ball around is going to get it done because all you got to do is tackle them. Like, yeah. you keep it in front of you and tackle them. Yeah, definitely. There's no threat of running. Yeah. So they don't scare me. South Carolina, I mean, they don't scare me, but they didn't scare me this year either. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I would be. You but know, I think Auburn somebody, takes that a little as a revenge game for themselves. Yeah, because yeah, they do. that's the big, you know, black mark on this last season was South, losing to South Carolina when you you have the better team should have won. I mean, heck, they, South Carolina head coach got fired and then all of their staff disassembled. We got some of their staff from Mike Bobo. And I mean that that's the kind of season South Carolina had as a whole. I mean, they don't have a, they don't have a coach anymore, or they didn't have one at that time. We threw forty times in that game. If you flip that script and we run forty times, we win that ball game. So, mm. I, I yeah, I just think that I don't I don't see them beating us. Nothing against South Carolina. I'm not knocking you, but I don't think they beat us. Yeah. I mean, then you and then there's somebody else. You said uh, who do we play at the end? Oh yeah, you know the team over there in T Town or something like that. <laughs> but hey, they don't have Mac Jones, no Waddle, no Devonte Smith, so. I mean, they're they're losing some of their big big guns that they definitely leaned on a lot. But hey, it's Alabama; they always reload, and uh, they will have a new quarterback. He saw some action um, the last year, and maybe they go to somebody else. It's a younger quarterback. I don't know. I mean, Bama. I, I think they'll be okay, but that part doesn't scare me nearly as much, um, at least at this point in the season. Yeah, I don't know if they've – and Mac Jones could technically come back too, but I don't know if they've ever – we have to go back and look if they've ever had to replace the running back and quarterback the same year. You know, they always – they do just reload over there, but I think sometimes they've had the running back to rely on when they mm. get a new quarterback. Yeah. You know, they're – I mean, they're replacing essentially all their offense. Um, running back, quarterback, Devontae Smith is a team by himself. Yeah. Najee Harris. So. In their center. Um, yeah. I forget that guy's name who got injured. Um and I think of the playoff game, but I mean, you're, you're losing a few of your key pieces on offense and that's what made Bama so um, elusive. And and you don't have your offensive and defensive coordinators. I mean, Sarkeesian's gone. Um, and so it's like, what do you do? I mean, at that point um, you're, you're kind of starting with a new staff, which I mean, Bama seems to do that almost every year, at least have an offensive or defensive coordinator kind of go or have a new one. So I don't know. Uh, Bama does good, do a good job of kind of evening things out, especially at the end of the season. So it always, I, I, I always hold my breath a little bit, but it is at home. And if we have even 50% of fans, I give us a little bit of an edge um, on yeah. that one. Yeah. I, I won't pick Auburn. I mean, well, I don't know. We get to that game. Maybe, maybe we're rolling, but yeah, right now I wouldn't pick Auburn, but I, there are some, some holes there that we could exploit based off of, very early early information yeah so uh, we've kind of wrapped up our talk about the season i kind of want to give your uh i don't know i want to get how hard do you think this season is you know one to ten one being easiest ten being hardest where would you rate this uh the way that the season and schedule um is now laid out Mm, i mean anytime you add a team like penn state as an out of conference is going to be tough but you know the way it was split up it could have been worse i think the the two pre uh, uh essentially hopefully preseason games before Penn State helped. So, you know, I'd put it at an eight. I think uh there's no uh Florida that mm-hmm. could be worse. Yeah. Um 
So I think all in all, the LSU Georgia back to back is tough, but it's always going to be, you're always going to have somebody back to back that's tough. And with it being home and away, I think that balances it out. So yeah, I'm going to put it at a, put it at a seven and a half. Let's say that. How about you? I was thinking more of a seven um, because I've seen much harder schedules for Auburn. I mean, it might even be a six in my mind, like leaning towards that way just because I've seen much harder. I mean, we don't have Georgia and Bama away. Now, we do have Texas A&M and LSU away, which those are always tough. But, I mean, hey, we've had good success against Texas A&M. They're going to have a new new batch of uh, key players for them. So, uh, I, I'm going to say like six and a half, seven, somewhere around there. I feel like it yeah. feels about right. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to change your opinion. I just feel like I think when you're in the West, you wake up at, at a seven and you're like, you just pray it doesn't become mm-hmm. a ten. Oh, and um, yep. Because you got to, I mean, you got LSU, A&M. We play Georgia across the way every year. And yeah. so you're like, all right, let's don't make it worse. Well, you know, uh, we throw in Penn State. It's just, uh, it's not a cakewalk, but it absolutely, there were people that were saying if Gus would have come back last this year, it was a nine, nine or 10 win season, almost guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see that because Bo needed to progress, but, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, it could be, it could definitely be a lot worse. I will say that. Oh yeah. I, I could see it being a lot worse. Um, I mean, the good thing is I feel like one of the things that is an Auburn's favorite is we don't have a long stretch. Like I feel like we've had in the last couple of years of, we don't have any home games in October or something crazy like that where we're just, yeah, know, we're going out and, and that's just hard to do, you know, stamina wise when it comes to uh, you're, you're playing tough SEC opponents, at least this year, you've got home away, home away, home away. No doubt. And I feel like that, that definitely helps this year. No doubt. Um, another one of the thing I want to gauge and kind of figure out what you think about, because you did rate the season as a seven, somewhere around there as, as far as how hard it, it will be. But what do you think you kind of also alluded to, you know, if Gus was here, he was expected to have nine, 10 win season. Uh, what, what do you think our floor and ceiling for the season under Brian Harson should be, especially with, you know, most of the key play, players, especially on defense coming back. But then even you know, Bo next, and you got Tank coming back. Where do you see our floor and ceiling? Like, what what do you see that for this next year? Man, it's so tough. I I really think we were not special at, on the offensive line, but we were starting to gel before people got hurt. Um, we're bringing Tank back. We are missing the receivers are going to be key, and we talked about that every year, every game last year. We were saying, I want to see the young guys get more. Mm-hmm get more time because, you know, there was a legit threat that our two productive guys will be gone. Um, there was some some highlights in the bowl game that give me a little promise. So I think, honestly, uh, if the O-line stays healthy, I, I think our floor is eight wins. Um, and I think our ceiling, it's not much different. I think our ceiling's probably 10. I, I don't know how we went 11. I just, I'd like to be pumping that. But I would say if we go eight and four, uh, I would not be surprised at all. Yeah, we consider that a good season. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I'm just I'm I'm just going down real quick. I know you don't want me to keep rambling, but I mean, let's say we did lose Penn State, LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. You gotta assume we're gonna beat somebody like A and M, LSU, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, I, I think I think eight and four is doable, man. Yeah, I was thinking right along the same lines as you. I mean, I think if we do lose, uh, my floor is seven and five. And I think we lose, maybe lose to Penn State just because we're, we got new offensive, defensive coordinator, new head coach. And that's just a lot to implement. Um, and then maybe split 
either LSU or Georgia, so that's two losses. Texas A&M, I mean, maybe lose to Ole Miss and then Bama. So, like, I think if the cards didn't fall our way, uh, maybe we, we end up with five losses. But I think that's the worst. Um, if you're – and, I, again, I'm not – I promise you I'm not knocking you at all. But if you're saying five losses, you are assuming we lose – I'm getting – you're assuming we lose to Penn State, LSU, Georgia, A&M, and Bama. Yeah, more um, or less. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Maybe maybe swap one of those out, either Georgia or Ole Miss. Ole Miss. You can okay. kind of give it either way. And so. that's very possible. We haven't as, – as everybody knows, we don't know anything anybody else does. So it's very possible we could that could happen. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, like, the, the amount of talent we have, seven should be our floor. Like, we should at least get seven. Um and then I think our ceilings, like you said, probably ten wins. I mean, if we're we get going and we beat the Penn State, and then hey, heck, if we split LSU Georgia at the beginning of the season, I feel like that gives us some mojo and momentum to go and and really finish the season strong, and maybe only lose to Bama at the end of the season. I was about to say, if our first loss is to LSU or Georgia, and and we only lose one of those, how, how confident are you we go ten and two? That it's pretty high. I mean, yeah, it's honestly I, pretty I, high. I would be too. Yeah. All right. So let's also talk about. So we kind of wrapped up our conversations, not only about coaching, um, and then our season being released, um, and how that kind of flows. But let's also talk about some other stuff that's uh, been going on. So KJ Brett, um, he got to go to the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, and uh, he actually was named the top linebacker on the American team um, by voted on by the running backs and uh, offensive line group. So really awesome to see. He, he, I mean, we knew he was leader at Auburn, but I feel like he was definitely proving it down in Mobile with guys he had just met um, and played with. Um, and, hey, heck, in the senior bowl, he actually was very productive. He had five tackles, one tackle for loss, and even had a pass breakup, um, which I think was much needed to see um, just to kind of test out can he drop back in coverage and you know, pass block um, a little bit? Um, Jared, any observations about that? And uh, I know you watched a little bit of the game. Um, what, what did you think of how KJ Britt did after really only playing two games this season and then having surgery and then now coming out um, after the season and playing the senior bowl? Yeah, it was good to have him out there, see him out there. He was very excited. I mean, it was fun to watch after every play. He was, he was saying, let's go and getting in his guys' faces, <laughs> not, not in a bad way. Yeah. Um, he, I saw him make two tackles. Uh, one of them, I think, was a stop on fourth down. Uh, but the thing the NFL analysts want to see him do is his uh, defensive or his uh, pass protection or his pass defense. Mm-hmm. And uh, he saw a uh, – he was reading Felipe Franks well and dropped back and uh, uh, deflected a pass, and which probably would have been a touchdown. It was one of those slant routes, and he oh, dropped yeah. back, filled that gear area there. Uh, should have been intercepted. The way he tipped it, it hung up forever. Nobody could get to it. But um, yeah, that was that was good to see because I had read that was the biggest you know uh, flaw of his. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm reading something right now that Mel Kiper had him before the 2020 season as his number three inside linebacker. Whoa. Um, and I mean, I don't know how. <clears throat> I'm sure things changed because other players played more. But um, yeah. So. But to other- me, I think he's coming out and saying, "Hey, I didn't play eight games of the season." but I'm still ready to go. And yeah, it's a hand injury, but it, it he's gotten back. He's stayed in shape. And and I feel like that's something, hopefully it kind of keeps him up there. 
Um, I'd love to see him go first round. I don't know if he's that kind of top level, but I mean, you got to think he's, he's going pretty high in the draft. Like uh, several places have him like fourth round, which he's going to be hurt just by missing. But I yeah, mean, you, no know, doubt. you never know, man. I mean, you know, you've seen players that were top 10 that slid on the way down to down round two. You've seen players that were fifth round bump up to second round. So you never know what a team needs and what they like about it. he's, you're going to like the kid. Let's just say that his personality yeah. is going to make you want to pick him. And that may be enough. Yeah. I mean, and he's going to be an instant leader. Um, so if you need some leadership, KJ is going to be able to provide that for you. Yep. Uh, we also uh, got some kind of interesting news. John Samuel Schinker, our tight end, uh, will actually be playing some baseball um, this spring for the Auburn baseball team. Um, he did a little bit for this last year. Um and uh, now he'll be doing that for this year. So kind of interesting little tidbit there. Um, and then I wanted to talk about uh, this sort of last conversation about Kevin Steele. And uh, yeah, we knew he, as soon as he got fired, he got, you know, some uh, buyout money and uh, it's kind of rumored around like 4 million or so. Um, but then on top of that, you know, he went to Tennessee and the saga there with, you know, losing a head coach, losing an athletic director for football, and he worked there for what, like two weeks or something. And now he's getting paid almost like nine hundred thousand dollars. He's be- he is a very well paid substitute teacher. <laughs> no, I saw that. Oh he, my gosh! He kept the Auburn. You know, he was the Auburn substitute teacher, so to speak, for a, a month, and then he went became right. Tennessee's, and he's going to get about five million out of that deal. So not bad. Not bad day's work. Yeah, for real. I mean, within a span of you know, essentially a month or so, he's getting. He's gonna get be a you know five millionaire. Yeah, <laughs> with yeah all this. Not on top on top of the money he's already been making for his career. Right. So yeah, he, he he's doing all right. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Jared, any other thoughts before we get out of here? Uh no, just uh, ready for it to go. I know we've we've got some exciting basketball being played here lately, but uh, you know football's football's what we talk about. So I'm already excited to see if we can get an eight a in and then get the season going and really excited to see what Harrison and them can do as far as filling some spots with the upcoming recruiting day and some transfer guys. But, um, you know, just, just, uh, we'll keep it rolling and hopefully they know what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm excited. I do like our coaching staff and how it's kind of made up. Um, and is, if we've got some mojo with the recruiting I, I hope it shows out in this early signing period or all well, the later, you know, regular signing period now. So um, I hope we get a few of those guys, especially off offensive tackle. We very much need that. Uh, Jared, before we get out of here, uh, how can the people stand in touch with you? You can find me on Facebook and Instagram under my name, Jared Davis. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?